Hi, I am Tingen, and this is the Parents in Tech Podcast. Welcome to Season 2, where we interview dads who are technology company leaders based in Southeast Asia. After hearing from moms in Season 1, now it's time to speak to dads who are raising kids while striving in their careers. Let's find out the stories, challenges, and advice they have for us. In this episode, we speak to Eric, Director of Product Management at NinjaVan. Eric has more than a decade of experience in product management at technology companies such as iCar Asia, Storehart, and Seek. Born and raised in Malaysia, Eric is a firm believer in using technology to enable people to do great things. He's an actively engaged parent of a five-year-old daughter. Hey, Eric, welcome to the Parents in Tech Show. Hi, nice to meet you. Thanks. To begin with, can you tell us a bit more about your family? So I have one kid. So it's me and my wife right now. I have a five-year-old daughter whose name is Sophie. <laughs> okay, so let's start. How did you meet your wife? So my wife and I were actually ex-colleagues. We worked together in a company, like I think, easily over 10 years ago. And I think some two years or three years after we met each other from that work, we actually were never close at all. We were in different departments. And she reached out to me on Facebook. She claimed that I added her first, but I'm pretty sure she added me first. <laughs> and that's where we started. And we just got to talking. And naturally, we decided to meet up. And from there, started dating. And yeah, eventually got married. And now we have a kid, which is really, really great. Very nice. So I got to ask, right? when did the topic of having kids and starting a family come into conversation? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be very honest. It never did. So my kid was not planned. It just sort of happened. But I'm honestly very, very glad it did happen that way because knowing who I was and knowing what I prioritized in life, I think happened that way. I may not have had a kid at all, even to this day. And given having had my kid now for like so many years, I'm so thankful. It's been so enriching and it's just broadened my entire life greatly, right? Given me new perspectives on life and I just cannot imagine now not having a kid, right? So I'm so, so thankful how it happened. And yeah, things definitely worked out for the best. There's so much I can identify with that. But before I share, I would love to find out a bit more. So you talk about priorities and life, right? So, so tell me, at the point when perhaps before you had a kid, but probably after you were married, where were your priorities at? There's a bit of a tough question for me because as I mentioned, the kid wasn't really planned. So we didn't really have yeah. like a long time being married before having a kid. So in yep. fact, a lot of the time leading up to the baby was planning how to have the kid. And But prior to that, we were already living together, right? So let's count that time as a time where we were pre, <laughs> after yes. marriage and, and having a kid. That I think it was definitely more prioritizing our lifestyles and trying to get more out of life in terms of traveling. Me and my wife love traveling, love eating, we're foodies, right? So really trying to find new experiences and try to get the most out of life given our sort of capabilities financially and also physically. We also had a dog. <laughs> so mm, we shared a dog okay. together even before we had a kid. Nice. So at the time, I guess our dog was sort of our kid prior to us having a real <laughs> child in the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I'm curious, right? If I had to ask you to kind of dial back five, six years back, when you found out that you're having a kid, how did you feel about it? Were you worried? Were you anxious that, you know, your your pursuits to, as an individual, as a couple might potentially be, be affected? 
Well, once again, for me, it was a bit different because it wasn't really planned. But yep. I think, first off, there was definitely a lot of anxiety about the unknown, mm. right? And I think that's quite natural for most new parents. But I think once me and my wife decided that, hey, let's just do it, you know, let's just yep. go all in, get married and have this kid and spend our life together, I think things started to become clearer. We definitely tried our best to really identify what are the key things that need to be ready for the kid to come and, and how we need to like change our lifestyle to sort of prepare for that to happen as well. Yeah. So yeah, it was really something that we didn't really plan for, but like I think yep. we tried our best to eventually do our own research and stuff and figure out what's the best thing to do to prepare. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's also not just about what happens to you. It's also a big part about how you react to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So dealing with anxiety, maybe talk to me a bit more about that, right? What Perhaps what were you most anxious about, if you can recall? Right. And right. How, what did you do to kind of address and mitigate it? I think the biggest part that I had to deal with was just figuring out how to be a dad, right? Prior to that, I have nephews before, but never really had any real experience in parenthood. So really not knowing where to begin and how to sort of take the right steps to ramp up myself to be prepared to do the right thing. So I sort of did any, what anyone, any person would do, just sort of start buying books and start reading and doing research online and asking close family members and friends about what were their approaches and sort of what are the watchouts to look out for to prepare myself. I think as a person, I'm someone who isn't the most emotional. I think once I've made up my mind to something, I shut out a course. Right? So what can I do to get to that point more easily? I felt that I dealt with the anxiety pretty fast. Once the plan was pretty clear, like, okay, this is what we're going to do. I immediately switched into like, you know, let's figure out how to get there and what needs to be done. Made plans and, and stuff. So it wasn't that big of a issue for me to figure things out. I think I pride myself on being someone who can learn quickly and adapt. So I'm glad that really served me well. Yeah, but like, if you're talking about just leading up to the baby coming, that's one part. Yeah. But after the baby came, it's a whole different thing that uh, happened as well. <laughs> okay, we will get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But first, Eric, you mentioned about getting advice, books, internet, friends, family. Yeah. What is one piece of advice that you accept and found it to be very helpful? Or you reject and it's like, nah, I tried that, it didn't work. Either one. I think one thing that I can't remember who told me, probably was a close friend. The advice that he gave to me was take care of your wife, right? Because she's going to go through a lot of, I don't want to use the word trauma, but it's gonna, she's going to go through a lot, right? And yes. childbirth is not a minor thing. It's really, really serious and really impactful to the woman who's giving birth. So the advice to me was to really take care of her and leading up to the point where she gives birth. And even after that, really try your best to step up and do what needs to be done to make sure that she's comfortable, she's happy. If you can afford to pay a bit more for some extra perks, like getting her massages and stuff, go and do it because it's gonna <laughs> there's gonna be returns on investment, <laughs> so, so to speak, later on. So like, yeah, that's what I did, and I think it really, I think she appreciated it for sure. And mm. you hear a lot of people speak about some mothers having like postpartum depression and stuff, right? And I'm really fortunate that my wife didn't go through that. I like to think that to some extent it was due to some of the things that I did to make her comfortable even after the childbirth, yeah. <laughs> that is golden advice. I fully 100% agree because I also got the same advice when I was preparing to be a dad. And it's true, right? Because a lot of times, especially once the kid comes, yeah. everyone's attention and focus is fussing exactly. over 
the, exactly, the kid, yeah. including the mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then no one starts to remember that, hey, you know, there's someone who just went through an operation in some yeah, cases, yeah, but yeah. in any case, a traumatic experience physically, yeah, for yeah, sure, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Regardless. For sure, for sure. So giving the care. And I'm so glad that that was the one thing that you learned. Okay, so with that, we also talked a bit about how life changed after your kid entered this world. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a bit more about that. How, how crazy has the past five years been for you? <laughs> it's really been great. I strongly feel that parenthood is not for everyone. So some people adapt to it more easily and some people struggle. Hmm. I must say that I'm one of the luckier few that really took to parenthood very quickly. I connected very fast with my kid. And I, I think because of that connection, I really tried to do more. So my entire life started evolving around my kid. And I wanted to also, as mentioned earlier, try to be there for my wife as well. So like one thing we did together was my wife needed to get up in the early mornings to you know pump breast milk and stuff like that. And I didn't want her to be alone. And the kid also needed feeding, right? So the ritual yes. that we did together was when the kid cries in the middle of the night, wakes up, wants to drink milk, I will wake up with my wife. My wife would pump her breast milk and I would feed the kid. So that at least that wow. we're both awake at the same time and she doesn't see the husband sleeping while she's trying to do something for the kid, right? So I really tried to be super hands-on and really there for everything stuck with the way. And, and it, was, mm. it was super tiring, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. The first month, I would say after the baby came, it was super tiring. But after, I was quite lucky. I think within the first six months, I mean, after six months, my kid started to be able to sleep through the night. Like, well, at least get six wow. hours of sleep kind of thing. So that helped yep. a lot. And yeah, since then, it's been just trying to figure out how to help my kid discover herself yeah. and express herself to us to really understand what she wants from life and the things that she's curious about and bring her on the right path to develop into a great person. I, mm. I can already see that she's really, really great, but I want to make sure that I put her in a good position so that the rest of the world can some one day see that as well. Got it, got it. Now, Eric, this is fascinating, right? Because... You have done something that I think very few dads do, myself included. I tried to wake <laughs> up with my wife. I just couldn't. I needed to sleep. And of course, at that point, and even till now, right? you have your career ambitions, your goals. You want to show up at work and be there. How, yep. how did you manage that? right? Because it's, it's exhausting to, to wake up, to have to deal with all these life changes. What did it look like for you and what worked? I think what worked was first off, I created awareness with everyone <laughs> at my office that, you know, this was happening for me and I may be a bit in and out sometimes, but I'm in the midst of recovery, right? It's going to get to a point where it gets easier for me. So please bear with me and things will get better soon. I must say that I was quite lucky at a time where I had quite understanding colleagues who helped me to give me the space needed to sort of like take care of my kid, but also take care of my duties at work. I think I was also quite lucky that I managed to find a nanny that was quite close to my office. So it sort of worked out where I could drop off my kid and immediately hit the work. And after office hours, immediately pick her up and bring her home. So that worked well. I tried to not do too much work from home because clearly I was busy. So it was a lot of just expectations management with my peers and my bosses to make sure that they understood that I'm, I'm not trying to slack off, but I'm really trying to get my life in order, make sure I'm in a good place that I can really perform well for the business as well. And actually, I would say around seven months into my kid coming into the world, I changed jobs. I had this massive opportunity to join a much bigger company that offered much better perks and a lot more benefits to help take care of my family. 
Uh, so at the time, it just made sense for me to leave and join. So like, once I joined that bigger company, things were even easier <laughs> because they have more structure and, and more support in the right areas to make sure that people yeah, can still not work themselves to death and, and still get things done as well. Got it. Now you mentioned about how this company that you joined provided the right support, the right structures. So maybe can you share what's two or three things that the company or the organization or even the culture did that kind of worked well for you right. to support you as a dad? Well, first off, I definitely the benefits, I would say. Yep. Making sure that, I mean, in a way, offering the right benefits is a way of the company communicating about their values, right? About what yes. they care about, right? So the fact that they offered medical and specialist care for my family, not just for me, mm. was a very, very clear sort of strong message that they cared and they willing to help. So that was really great. So a lot of the bills and expenses that I had to sort of like spend on my kid after she came. I don't know if you do the same in Singapore, but when the kid comes like every month, you bring her to a specialist to just check up, right? Yes. So all of those checkups, I managed to claim, which was really, really great for That's me. That's wonderful. Yeah. So that, that was really, really helpful. And at least it relieved a burden mm. financially, for sure. Yep. The other thing, which I guess culturally, they, the company that I worked for, so I work for this company called Seek. Yes. Seek is an Australian company. And I would say one of the things they really, really excel at is being people first. So just by their values and their culture, they would give people the space needed to sort of take care of their own lives first mm. before worrying about work. So yeah, having that kind of values and cultures definitely helped because through that, the way that all my colleagues sort of behave and the sort of kind of support that my manager gave to me was just easy, right? It wasn't like a question of would they sort of be supportive. It was by default, they would be supportive kind of thing. And it just made everything a lot easier. And yeah, soon enough, I was able to sort of recover from the post-childbirth kind of tiredness and uh, really get back to the level where I could really work quite easily. That's really wonderful to hear that, Eric. I think just the ability to go into the work knowing that People understand, people get you. Yeah. You don't even have to explain yourself, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. I think that is truly quite empowering. Now, the external factors sounded like it worked well for you, but I think one of the challenges that we face also, it's often internal, which means wanting to succeed, wanting to mm. push, wanting to strive. Yep. How did it look like for you to set boundaries, right? So for example, I remember you said you don't bring work home much. That's mm. something I struggle with. But how, how yeah. do you do that? Because I'm sure you did that before the kid came more often. But how yeah. do you set that boundary? So I think it sort of changed with the role I was doing really. Mm. In the beginning, I was able to do work at a pace where it didn't require me to bring stuff home. And then, of course, it came to a point in my life where I want to get a hit, primarily to provide more for my family. I, th I think one of the changes that definitely I felt was that previously, a career was just for me, right? It's to me, for me to get a hit. But now, after being a, a father, being a husband as well, getting a hit in my career means helping provide better for my family, which is super important because then it means a better standard living, better schools, better everything for the family, right? So it did come to a point where I felt like I had to get a hit. And yeah, it did result in me sort of having to become more busy. Another thing that really didn't help was the pandemic. Mm. I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people can now relate as well. But once we all reverted to working from home, it just became a lot more easy to work long hours because the laptop is always there. Your desk is always there at home, right? And you don't have to commute. So you're just working at your desk all the time. And you end up, it's so natural to go back to your desk after dinner, after whatever, once a kid has gone to bed. So 
it just got to a point where I was working definitely longer hours than I was before. And also primarily to also further myself in the company, trying to get ahead for sure. And there was a point where I realized that it was not doing me any favors. It definitely made it a lot harder for me to feel engaged with the company because it felt as though at some point the company was taking advantage of me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it complete, the pandemic and remote working has really changed my view on work-life balance. Mm. It's made me realize that, you know, to be able to be your best, there isn't really, in a way, work-life balance because work and life are sort of the same thing, right? Because you need to work to have a life kind of thing. Yep. So to be really, to really excel at life, you have to also make sure that you're healthy and, and you're doing okay yep. uh, from a mental perspective as well. Yep. So from that, I've started to actually place a lot more importance on mental health and trying to make sure that my own reports that I work with at work, are they okay or not? Like, just spending more time to just speak to them about how things are for them. Yeah, yeah th- that's just made this part of living a lot more important and clear for me. That's something that we have to prioritize as well. Yeah, certainly. What's maybe one or two things that you did to to kind of manage this whole work-life balance or tension? <laughs> I might yeah, even yeah, say yeah. sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, setting, and I'm cheating here a little bit because I'm using like a sort of a tip that I received from one of the talks I've listened online about yes. managing work-life kind of thing is, so in the past, right, when we were working from the office, the commute home is a very good event or trigger for our body and our brain to really tell the body, like, you know, we're shutting off now, we're disconnecting from work, we're going home to move into, from work to like family mode kind of thing. But with the pandemic, there was no more commute. So you need a new trigger or a new sort of like event to transition yourself from work into a home person right so first off setting very clear boundaries for myself i tried to work to 5 30 p.m every day mm. and from 5 30 to 6 30 p.m i would dedicate to playing my kid huh. so whether it would be like taking her out to the playground or just playing a board game with her or just running around the house or whatever it is i tried very very hard of course sometimes i fail but for the most part i think i tried to consistently make sure that at that time, I would just shut off. I would not have any meetings after. I try to end meetings by 5.30 and, and just get off and spend time with her and have that be the disconnect for me to like transition back into like a home mm. sort of a mode. I think, so that was one thing. Another thing I also tried to do was to also normalize it with my team as well. Making sure that people realize that they don't have to work long and crazy hours to get ahead. And especially if it means it comes at the cost of their own mental health and their life their satisfaction of life is just not worth it so i would sort of talk to them about making sure they have enough time to spend with their family and also making sure they they don't try to work too much during the night if i see them online i'll just bring them and say hey is it something really urgent perhaps something you can work on tomorrow because i think there's no better way of communicating something than through example right if you simplify sort of like your values i think that's the strongest way of getting others to sort of understand and see that, hey, this is probably what's important and what we care about. So yeah, if my boss feels that way, then I think I can be comfortable to also follow the same as well. Yeah, exactly. I think love that part, right, about setting a role model. So thinking about what works for you and also openly and directly communicating that with your team, that's inspiring. So Eric, I would love to find out how has being a dad helped you to be a better leader? And vice versa, how being a leader at work helps you to be a better dad. I would say the biggest thing that my kid has taught me, mm. and it's not something that's small at all, like it's patience. Mm. I think trying to teach 
a young person about life and what's right and wrong is really, really hard. And when kids reach that two to three year old age, they, they gain the ability to talk back to you and start to say no and want to do your own thing. So having patience and knowing when to sort of use the right approaches with the kid to make sure that they understand what you need from them yeah. and also to sort of get your outcome that you want is really important. So like mm. that patience easily translates over to managing a team, right? Because so by profession, I'm a product manager. So product management requires you to work a lot with other people. I would say other jobs as well, but typically in product management, you have to stakeholder manage quite a lot. So having the right patience to really talk to people and understand their needs properly and try and find some way to like collaborate together is challenging and the patience really help. And vice versa, like how my work has helped me, my kid. <laughs> One of the things I've learned from work is really to use tools and frameworks to help communicate and to solve problems. So I've used the same approach with my kid as well. I try to make things very visual for her by showing her so I'm one of those people who have a whiteboard in my house. <laughs> so I tend to scribble things on the wall, on the whiteboard and show her things. And when I teach her math and stuff, I try to use visual frameworks to help her understand this is how you sort of calculate things together and stuff. So it's really made me more aware about how I communicate with her. Because like when, when you're a kid, you have so little understanding of the world and using the right words and, and the right visual stimulus to really help explain things to her is really really helpful so at least i found that to be really useful in trying to help my kid understand things just using those certain sort of visual frameworks to help her figure things out has been really helpful that's wonderful and i love that the whiteboard right because it's something that you can just express yourself it, and your yeah. daughter can do so <laughs> exactly exactly yeah beautiful it's really funny how you mentioned the two to three year old ages when uh, things start to get challenging because i have yeah. written down here that i wanted to ask you uh, they call it the, <laughs> the, the terrible twos right so that's maybe right, right. tell me what was it like and I'm asking this not just for my audience, but for myself, because <laughs> my kid is 15 months old. The two-year mark is uh, not, not so far away. What yeah, yeah. what happens when they enter this period? Let's start with that. Then, of course, I'm going to ask you how you respond to it. I think the biggest change is that they just start responding with no, right? Because prior to that, they're so young and mm. they don't know any better and they don't really know what they like and don't like. So they just sort of go along with most things that you tell them to do. And when they hit that point in time in their life, they realize they don't like certain things. For example, I don't like showers. I don't want to take a shower. So like you tell them, let's go take a shower now. Like, no, <laughs> later. I want to play first kind of thing. So that's the real shock to the system, right? Where you start to realize that your kid has a personality and she's her own person and she will tell you what she think and you have to deal with it somehow, right? So... I think that's the thing that most people, that's the real sort of shock that they receive, right? They suddenly realize that, oh, now, even to a point, it feels disrespectful, right? Because you're the parent. But in fact, if you look at it from her eyes, first of all, she doesn't know any better <laughs> because she doesn't know what respect really is, right? She's just sort of telling you what she thinks, which is generally not wrong. And yeah, so it's really trying to just absorb and sort of understand that change in her or your kid right where now she can express what she wants and sometimes it doesn't align with what you want yeah and then dealing with it yeah so how do you deal with it well i'll admit that there were points in time that were all screaming and crying <laughs> for sure 
<laughs> so I feel it's unavoidable to feel things out because I think as a new parent as well, a lot of these things you're doing for the first time. I would say the first advice I would give to new parents is to first give yourself a break. You don't have to get everything 100% right the first time. So even if you, do, if you don't get it right, it's okay. Your kid doesn't really break. <laughs> At least not permanently anyway. So it's okay to have a few episodes where things go really, really bad and there's a lot of crying and, and screaming and stuff like that. That's probably okay. What I found worked, at least for me, was really expressing to her boundaries. It's okay for you to say no, but it is not okay to throw a tantrum. You can tell me what you want, but don't express it in a way that's going to cause a lot of anger and frustration for you and make you want to throw stuff around and all those kind of things. So I gave her the space to still be able to express what she wants, but made it clear to her that there are lines that she must not cross if she doesn't want to get punished. And yeah, and punishment is a whole different another topic to, <laughs> to cover as well. I have to go into that, Eric. So how does disciplining and punishment look like? Because I am trying to figure that out too. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. at least for me, I was brought up in a time where I got caned when I... When I yes. And I know there's, there's very different camps around that. So yeah, what yeah, does yeah, it look yeah, like yeah. for you? Punishment for me... So I'm also not big on hitting my kid, for sure. I admit that there have been times when I have give her a little slap on the butt and stuff like that to like, tell her that I'm not happy with you. But generally, how punishment looks like for me is that... Um, I take away the toys, mm. right? Because that's the thing that she enjoys the most. And like any other kid in the 21st century, I take away her devices. So like she likes playing with my iPad and she likes the TV. So if not behaving, then it just means that you don't get those privileges that you used to have. So toys, mm. devices. And I would say that oh, wait, there's one other thing which I threaten to do to her, which really scares her. So she, She's scared of strangers, okay. kids being scared of strangers. And I tell her that if she doesn't listen and doesn't want to behave, I'll call the security guard downstairs for my condo to come and to scold her, right? <laughs> and she gets really, really scared of that. She doesn't want to have a stranger come up and scold her. We've never done it before. <laughs> He's never gotten to that. But we've threatened to pick up the phone, pretend like we'll call the security guard now and, and he'll come here and, and really scold you. That seems to scare her as well. Mm. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it really depends what works for your kid also heavily depends on what kind of boundaries you set in the house and also what kind of privileges you do give to your kid. Yeah, so there's unfortunately no one-size-fits-all solution, I think, for most people anyway. Mm. But yeah, I think the clearest thing I can sort of say is that set very clear boundaries for the kid so he understands like this is no-no, this is okay. Mm. And make sure that she's aware of what are the consequences that you will inflict on her if you cross the line. Mm. I like that, Eric, because that sets predictability or so, right? I think exactly, one of the exactly. things that it can be scariest for a kid is just being punished and not understanding why. And exactly, it's exactly. net negative, right? But I think for you, yes. you lay that out. Uh, once again, going back to the tools and the frameworks that you, you yeah. learn from work, I think that's 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 great. Now, Eric, earlier you also mentioned a bit about pandemic and how it was challenging. You are based now in KL where, yeah, there was MCO, there was a lot of things that just made things very challenging. Yep. Glad to hear that things are better now, but let's dial back to a year plus back ago. How yep. did it look like for you and how did you manage? I think the biggest change for me was, first of all, my kid couldn't go to school, right? So <laughs> it meant that she would be at home with me all the time and I still had to work. Yep. So at the time, I was still with Seek. So once again, I think the company really helped to give space 
cope with the pandemic. They knew that things would get a bit hard. So the message to everyone was take care of yourself first, which was really, really helpful. Hmm. But really trying to adapt to having my kid be there all the time and trying to work. And for my kid as well, trying to adapt to staying at home. And previously, when she's at home, she would have our full attention, yes. right? And suddenly, we're always at our desk, at our laptop, doing some something we call work. And she doesn't understand what it is. And she doesn't understand why does she not get the attention that she needs anymore. Hmm. So it was really a coping time for both of us. And it was really hard. There were times when she really got really upset and we had to try to explain to her and she just couldn't understand, right? And, and got really grumpy and upset. So it was really a hard time. We tried our best to try to find activities for her to do. We downloaded worksheets. We found games that she could play mm. on paper and stuff like that. Of course, then we all reverted to online shopping as well. So we bought puzzles and toys for her that we talked with for the time. Mm. But all of those were not really sustainable, I think. What really eventually made it easier was when the government allowed childcare to open again. Right. And we decided to allow my kids to go back to childcare, yeah. uh, to, well, to daycare. Yeah. And the school sector, I think, we intentionally tried to pay it more hmm. to make sure that we were in a school that had things done a bit more properly, had the right amount of teachers, and they were trying their best to really protect the kids through the pandemic, right? Yeah. So that really, really helped a lot. I think it was also really great we were very lucky that my kid immediately took to the school. Nice. It helped. She had a friend there who she knew, yep. but she immediately felt comfortable and she started telling us every day, I want to go to school, I want to go to school. Wow. And that made things easier, right? Because if she didn't want to go to school, it would, it would have been much more <laughs> difficult time to figure things out. But then she immediately enjoyed it. And yeah, she, to today, she enjoys still going to the same school every day. <laughs> wow. That's really lucky, right? To find a yeah, school that uh, your daughter is excited. But uh, I think thanks for sharing that, right? The pandemic truly has been tough. And, and like you said, we're finding ways to engage your child to keep that occupied while, while you're busy at work. That can be tricky. Yeah. So I'm glad that that's past that. Now, Eric, I noticed also recently you changed jobs and you are currently the Director of Product Management at Ninja Van, a role that does require you to move essentially, right? Pretty soon. Yeah. Tell me a bit more about that, right? Because, you know, for you, your wife, your daughter, I would say relatively comfortably yeah. situated and, and familiar with KL. Yeah. Tell me about this move. How did it uh, come about and how did you guys work through it as a family? Yeah. So my wife and I has been talking about living abroad for quite some time, mm. right? And then the pandemic hit and uh, things didn't really, we couldn't really have a good plan anymore. Yes. But it was something that we've always been thinking about doing. And the primary drivers for that was better education for my kid. So I love Malaysia. Malaysia will always be my home where I grew up and everything, but it really doesn't do a few things very well. <laughs> and one of the things that doesn't do very well is education. So I, I would be very happy if my kid doesn't need to go through our Malaysian local education. Yeah, one of the drivers is definitely to give my kid a better education. Mm. My wife also felt strongly that she wanted an environment that she felt more safe. Mm. I think the part of KL that we live in is relatively safe, but like she still wanted that additional sense of security. So yeah, can't, can't fault her for that. So we wanted to look for that as well. And lastly, for me, as a career move as well, because unfortunately, product management as a career in Malaysia is quite limited. At some point, you hit a ceiling where there's really nowhere else to go. And Seek, I must say, is probably one of the top three tech companies in Malaysia in terms of the ways of working, the practices, 
sort of their rigor in trying to figure out to discover what's the right thing to do and, and really test it first before deploying it to the masses. So I knew that for me to really step up and really do a role that I wanted to do, it may require me to move as well. Hmm. So when this opportunity with uh, Ninja Van came up, I was very happy to give it a go. And fortunately, the team there feels the same that they also want to give me a go as well. So that's sort of how it all happened. Got it, got it. So in preparation for the move, what are some top of mind concerns or things that you're planning to yeah. make sure that your family adjusts well? So this is top of mind for me right now. Okay. The, the next, so I'm moving in February. So I have only January to really figure things out before the move. And of course, the sort of travel restrictions between countries doesn't help as well. Fortunately, now between Malaysia and Singapore, there's VTL, but it was temporarily paused yes. due to the concerns about the rising number of cases being imported in. So top of mind for me right now is securing a good home mm. and a good school for my kid. And a school that we feel is, first of all, has the right environment. And once again, because of the pandemic, doesn't have too many kids in their class, yep. right? And there's too many, you don't know where all the kids have been. So just trying to minimize sort of crowding once again. So yeah, yeah that would definitely be the two, first two things. Trying to secure a good home in a good area that we really like. Hmm. And trying to secure a good school very nearby for my kid. I have completely given up trying to be near the office or whatever. That's not even a concern for me anymore. My plan is to live near the school hmm. so that I can every morning walk my kid to school, drop her off, yep. then commute to work. I don't want to commute my kid around. So it's best if I am able to walk her somewhere nearby and then only commute to work. Yeah, yeah. Got it, got it. Well, we're definitely wishing you all the very best with that move. And I'm sure you and your family will be able to work things out on that. Yeah. So Eric, maybe I also just want to understand, right? It seems like you are very active in the whole parenting with your wife. And I think that's something definitely to be encouraged. How do you think we can encourage more dads to share the parenting workload with moms? I would say, first off, probably be my same answer that I gave earlier about helping my team as well. Mm. First of all, be the example you want others to follow, mm. right? So I, I definitely sort of like try to walk the talk, right? And really be there for my kid and support my wife who wants to also have a career as well to sort of like do what needs to be done in the household, not just with the kid, but uh, groceries or getting food for the house or whatever it is, right? So that she feels well supported as well. And so when... I speak to my friends or my family about parenting and stuff. I can sort of relay my own examples mm. that I do for myself. And hopefully that some of the things that I speak to them about resonate well and they are happy to sort of follow along as well. And as I mentioned earlier, right, I really feel that parenting is not for everyone. Mm. There are some people who just can't engage or resonate enough with, with it to really enjoy it a lot. To those people, I would encourage more steps. Try to do a you know, 180 in one day, right? To fully change who you are. I think that's not reasonable. I think trying to start small and, and just from like not taking care of a kid at all, maybe try with just half an hour or an hour a day. Yep. And, and it doesn't have to be real taking care of the kid. It could just be playing your kid. So take your kid downstairs to the playground, bring your kid around for a scooter ride or a bicycle ride somewhere around the neighborhood, right? Just kick the ball around with your kid, things like that, which uh, you, you may also find fun, right? And it's a, um, great way to connect and, and bond with your kid as well. So really just small things like this, I strongly believe will lead to like more ease in doing more and more. So starting small and then uh, slowly scaling up as you feel comfortable. 
Got it. That's that's wonderful. I like the idea of the small steps, right? It doesn't mean that, oh, today I put my job down and, and start taking care of my yeah. kid, but just start with just a small gap, a small half an hour to, yeah, to, yeah. to be present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really like sure. that. So Eric, to wrap up our conversation today, what is one thing you have learned as a parent in tech? Something that you probably said earlier on as well, tech and change won't stop, right? Tech moves very, very fast and things are going to keep changing and changing and it's never going to slow down just for you. Right? So as a father, as someone who I feel wants to protect my family, I think it's important that I understand what's going on in the world so that I can prepare my family and make sure that they have the right information so that when they're engaging with all these different new technologies and stuff, they sort of know how to protect themselves. I used to work for an internet security company, so I'm very conscious about your own personal privacy, data privacy, you know, and, and being trying to be anonymous on the internet and how valuable that, that is. So I find that's very important. So if anything, make sure that you sort of understand what's going on in the world, that what, what the bigger trends are and prepare your family for it. If you feel that in any way, those trends could potentially impact your family yeah. somehow. Yeah, to know what's out there and actively prepare for it. I think that's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So if our listeners would like to connect with you, Eric, how can they best do so? You can search for me on LinkedIn. My name is Eric Wang. As Jinan said earlier, I'm the current director of product management at Ninjavan. So if you find me, feel free to connect. Sure, we'll do that. Well, Eric, thanks so much for joining us today on the show. We really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Parents in Tech podcast with me, your host, Tsingen. We hope you were inspired on how to raise kids and build companies. To catch up on earlier episodes or stay updated with upcoming ones, head over to www.parents.fm to join our community of parents in tech. There, you can also drop me a question, idea, feedback, or suggestion. Once again, the website is www.parents.fm. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.